1: Wazy lead to the link for Nakuda. Three wide is Heezer Sport, McAndrew Aviator losing the back of the leader. In the centre is Beach Ball, three wide and one back is Old Town Road. In the middle of horses Krug, three wide with plenty of cover is Kango. Next along the inside, Pembroke Playboy from Mossdale, Ben and American Me heads the rest coming off the back. 29 6 for the half, Swayze the leader, Akuta got into the trail. Then came Beach Ball who ran to third, followed by He's a Sport and Old Town Road, but it's Australia. Versus New Zealand at the 400 meters. Swayze two lengths in front. Akuda travels well. Going to third beach ball underneath of he's a Sport, Three lengths away the rest, Turning for home in the cup. 29.6, the third quarter. Swayze shaking up a length and a half to Akuda trying to go with him. Then Beach Ball and He's a Sport. Swayze finding a length on Akuda who's coming. Then beats ball. Swayze still in front. Akuda can't reach him. Then came Beats Ball. But it's Swayze for the Australian hero, thinking of to
2: postpone. You Kia ora and good morning, day. welcome in to Izzy and Kempy for breakfast. It is four past six and the big day after, sound sounded like in the news, it was a a bigger day for some than some others, uh, Kempy. But uh, in the end, Patrick Swayze's picket fence continued. The Aussie got it done. Yeah, a little bit of dirty dancing down that straight one. It
3: went, uh, I guess, it took the front early. It actually played out really well, that race, um, on Greg O'Connor, the way that he mapped it out and said that if Swayze could get to the front and the runs of sectionals, he's going to be really hard to catch. And Cuda had no excuses um, trying, to, trying to get there, fell under the trail on that. That last lap uh, beach ball, which was all the talk through the uh, the channels during uh, Monday and Tuesday morning, and and guess what, the trifecta played out. Swayze, if you boxed it into a or into beach ball, paying twenty seven dollars and forty cents. Um, yeah, yes, not bad. But if you had that if you had that picked out and, and paid it plenty of times, you would have got you would have got plenty. But we'll talk a little bit more about that at Love Racing, Rick, because we've got plenty to talk about. And uh, I hope all of our listeners were listening yesterday, because if you did you would have got paid.
2: Yeah, 100%. We had a couple of massive tips, but I, I don't want to steal your thunder for Love Racing, Kempy, so we'll leave that for the Love Racing. But, the, uh, man, uh, some of the tips we got yesterday uh, came in came in good. Now, coming up on the show today, of course, tonight at 9.30, the Black Caps play in the Cricket World Cup semi-final against the hosts, India, and one of our best ever. Ross Taylor's going to join us after 7 o'clock to preview that. We're also going to catch up with Michael Carlson. Michael Carlson is an American living in England. He does a lot of the BBC and Sky Sport commentary for when they have the NFL teams over there. He's also an NFL analyst over there as well. And uh, he's going to join us just to talk uh, mid-season NFL and some big stories uh, bubbling up. The Buffalo Bills were just about unstoppable last year. This year they're 5-5. Five and five. What's going on there? Bill Belichick's Pats are 2-8. and eight. How long does mm. he have left? Uh, well, Michael Carlson, Carlson will shed some light on that and more as well after eight. And then before nine o'clock, we're going to catch up with a bloke called Josh Brody. He used to play cricket for the Wellington Firebirds. He's now doing his best Iron Man impersonation. I don't mean Robert Downey Jr. I mean like the bloke on the, the swim, the, mm. the run and the, and the ride. Uh, for Asthma New Zealand, raising money for asthma. So we'll talk to him before nine o'clock as well. But let's get into this.
4: Round one. Fight.
2: All right, came out yesterday, Kempy, that uh, Andrew Abdo said that the NRL is going to greenlight salary cap compensation for teams to go and poach players from other codes. I know it's been mentioned before, but it feels like very much now that Australian rugby are on their knees and Eddie Jones, who was trying to push this, is, is gone uh that the NRL are, are looking particularly when they say the codes. I don't think really Aussie rules is, a, is an option. I think they're very much just looking at rugby union here mate. I mean if you're in mm. charge of a club in the NRL and you get given this green light, where are you going? who are you looking at?
3: Yeah, you're dead right on, on that first uh, that first comment Rick, this is about rugby union. This isn't about other codes like you don't think AFL, um, will be bought into it. Uh, maybe, maybe other countries with Super League uh, up there in England, that they, they can bring players down. Um, but it's definitely a shot across the bow of rugby union, which I thought was really interesting because in amongst that, that conversation, if I was a CEO sitting in a club, I would be thinking, well, here's a way to get around the salary cap and actually look at marquee players in another code. And bring them in, and it may unbalance the competition a and in, in some sort of way. You know, you could think of a maybe a Sydney City, a Brisbane, um, who go after a marquee player, get, get salary cap exemption, uh, and you talk and you throw Penrith in there, and all of a sudden their team goes to another level. So there's a, there's a couple of things to think about that. Um, one of them is what does the exemption look like and how do you keep it balanced throughout the competition so it doesn't become a, you know, the salary cap works really well with the comp. So we want to keep it, you know, very well balanced. But the other thing is, well, it now opens up avenues for players to come. And I've had a thought, of, I've had a think about it. Now, if I was there and I wanted players, the first couple of players I would probably go after Shooter Stevenson and Mark Talia. I think both of them would be fantastic rugby league players playing in anywhere in the back line. Um, they carry the ball, they're hard to tackle, and, and they're big bodies. Geordie uh, Barrett I would throw in there. One for, one for, the, for the smaller guys, Cheslin Colby out of South yeah. Africa, I think will be absolutely outstanding in a fullback position. Just with the amount of work that he does off the football, um, and maybe anyone would want Bun- Bundy Aki running at them in the edges. You know, I'd play, I'd play Bundy Aki. I think he's the type of Alan Khan back row you know, that played for Brisbane Broncos back in the day where he was short, stocky, hard to stop. I think a Bundy Aki on a, on a left edge would, would be something um, extraordinary. You know, he'd be very, very good. Uh, so it's, it's, it's going to be really interesting. You know, I looked at Abdo and Mr. Valandis and, mate, the Brains Trust are working overtime to get this competition, the NRL, at the, f- at the front of every other code in Australia. Including yeah. AFL, um, but they're not—they're not frightened to take rugby union out.
2: No, well, and that's the thing, and it—it feels very much like a, a Australia rugby. You came for us and you missed, so now we're going to do you. That's kind of what—that's—that's that's what it feels like, right? Hundred percent feels like that. I think uh, Abdo said it's not going to be a free for all. It's going to be managed. So I, I from the way he was talking, I think it's going to be one t- one per team. It's not like one team can go out and sign three. Um, so I think it's going to be ma- managed in that way. But also interesting yesterday, Kempe, is that Nick Politis said that Joseph Swahili will be back playing for the Roosters in 2028. It's like they've already given him a contract for when he's, his rugby contract finishes. And that mm, and says to me that there's every chance that he doesn't go to rugby at all.
3: Yeah, like I, I don't know whether he's got a get-out clause there. You're talking about David Fafita up at, up at um, the Gold Coast. Most Most player managers put a A uh, a clause in the contract in and around changing of coaches and stuff like that. So I don't know whether Joseph has that in his, now that Eddie Jones gone. Um, He's going to be a better player when he comes back Rick, you know, and and I think you know, at the moment the Sydney City Roosters, they're trying to replace him with um, Mark uh, Noah Kwanatawasi, the Fijian Mm. uh, young boy that plays on the wing for Australia, had a very good World Cup and uh, he actually comes from Rugby League. He he played rugby league up until he was 14, so he'll transition straight back into rugby league quite easily. And I watched him play that that kid up there for Australia on the wing. Now he's a very, very handy footballer.
2: Yeah, so you is. know he
3: he could be he could be the benchmark. Um, and it's no surprise that the Roosters are the one that that are sitting next to the NRL making those decisions.
2: Mm, double eight, double three. Uh, your thoughts on that one? Uh, if you uh, had the the salary cap compensation. Who would you go after from any other sport to bring into rugby league? All right, let's do this one. Round two. World Rugby has admitted to New Zealand Rugby that the Aaron Smith try wow. should have stood because they shouldn't have gone back as many phases as they did, which is great. But does it really help anybody? <laughs> well, the, the 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 straight answer to that. Well, I've been thinking about
3: this this morning. I thought about it yesterday when I when I read it, and I was like, wow. You know you've, you've known I, gu- I guarantee you this, they knew the powers that be, as soon as that decision was made, there would have been a, a, a nerd, a geek, and, and sitting in the referee stat said, "You went two phases too many, um, uh, too many back, and that try should stand." So they would have known that night that that was the wrong decision, mm-hmm. and they've held on to it till now to, to let it out. Now that's wrong. So that doesn't help anyone else because that just puts us in more pain down here in New Zealand. Um, and then the and then the ripple effect. So Wayne Barnes is probably copping it. You know, he's he's going to cop it more from all the trolls. Um, the All Blacks are going to cop it because it was the best try of the tournament that was turned down, and and possibly um, one of the best victories that the All Blacks would have ever had, because they would have ended up winning that game. Uh, and there is no winners out of making making that that. Uh, that comment, and would it, would it, someone would have found it? Well, yeah, they probably would have. So, what do we get out of it, Rick? That, I, I think that's the question. Like, what do we get out of New um, world Rugby, who are absolute pork chops, coming out and saying, now we've actually got another one wrong. You've been robbed for a second World Cup by a decision again from a referee that disallowed probably the best try in the tournament and the winning try. Um, that would have got you the World Cup. Is I can't see the, uh, any positive coming out of it whatsoever.
2: Yeah, I mean, to be fair to Wayne Barnes, it wasn't his decision, right? I mean, he was the one that was saying, no, knock on, play on, play on, play on. It was the TMO. So I think if there's anything comes out of this, hopefully, hopefully it means they throttle the TMO. And the TMO doesn't have the autonomy to just jump in and re referee the game. And, and that's the problem. That's the problem in the
3: area that they need to fix straight away. Where you you had um, a game that was run by a bloke sitting in a in a booth and and run by replays. You know you need to go back and look at this. You need to go back and look at this. The sooner they get rid of the bunker, the TMO, the VA, VAR, and bring it back to a referee with some autonomy to, and the courage to make decisions, the better it is, and the better for the fan experience. I'm, I just think you know like these. I've never been a fan of the bunker. You know that. Um, and here's another example of like taking an already difficult game to understand as far as rules go and make it even more difficult to watch. And now you've, now you've thrown that out there yesterday about Aaron Smith's try being allowed. Mate, I reckon they've just lost an, another big group of uh, rugby union people that will now go and watch
2: the better game, which is rugby league. Which is rugby league, of course round 3 and i'm actually going to pivot here slightly kimpy and i'm going to i'm going to push the round 3 look question out, rob, look out look out at rob back. dog at rob dog rob come on in mate you are the cricket expert on this show number 3 what percentage chance do you give the black caps of beating india tonight
5: uh, yeah, cr- cricket experts are a bit generous to, for starters. Uh, but what percent chance do I give us? I think we are at a forty percent chance. Um, okay. But you know, realistically, you know, if it's if it's one or higher, we can do it. So, you know, yeah, it's 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 just going to depend on. I mean. It's an, it's an obvious one, but whoever plays better. And uh, the toss is going to be huge conditions. That is the
2: incisive commentary that we want. Yes, whoever plays exactly. better will win. Whoever, nice. s- whoever <laughs> scores more
5: runs will <laughs> yes. win this game. You heard it here first. Oh, wow. That, oh, that, that,
2: that, if I was going to go and have a bet
3: today, that didn't help me at all. I'll tell you my experience, Rick, with, um, with semi-finals. Once you're in the semis, all right, it's anyone's game. You, you're a mug. Look at look at um, teams that have knocked teams out that have been meant. Yeah. You know, well, let's look currently at the. We just spoke at the Rugby World Cup. Ireland and France were meant to be in the final. Neither of them made it. Okay. So when you look at when you look again at the semis, it's a it's a toss of the coin because players go to another level. And I think we spoke about that yesterday with um, Ravindra. You know what I mean? Like if he comes out and he plays the game of his life, he's The first Kiwi to reach 600 runs in a tournament. um, But the player that he's up against, uh, Virat Kohli, is exactly in the same boat. And I reckon it comes down to those two players. I reckon whoever plays the better game out of those two players with the bat is going to set their team alight. And and Rob's right. If we bat first and Ravindra goes out there and smashes it around, man, that puts some pressure on the Indians. Mm. Absolutely, all the
2: will be on the Indians. Yeah, no, I was going to say it did remind me, Rob, of a piece of punditry from a former England player and manager Kevin Keegan, who was—I uh, can't remember what the game was—but he was asked and he said, "Well, it's tight. I mean, either side side could win it, or it could be a draw." It's like, thanks, <laughs> awesome. That is brilliant, yeah. brilliant. Well, there you go. Those are our triple threat. So keep your texts coming through on that NRL. Uh, The salary cap uh, compensation to bring in players from other codes. Who would you look at? Uh, World Rugby, admitting that Aaron Smith's try should have stood. Does it help anybody? What does it mean for you? And what percentage chance do you give the Black Caps of winning tonight in the Cricket World Cup semi-final? We've got a Who Am I as well as a $100 Adidas Golf voucher up for grabs. Get away with Adidas Golf. Visit adidas.co.nz. Get away with golf. Teas and C's apply. Here it is. Clue number one. I've represented New Zealand at international level, but I was born in Africa. I have represented New Zealand at international level, but I was born in Africa. Double eight, double three. if you know the answer to that. Need a new mobile plan? Visit Kogan Mobile. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, keeping you healthy this spring. Call us anytime 0800 150 811 or text us on the Temper bedpost Post Text Machine 8833. Temper and bedpost Post range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. Plenty of texts coming through, Kempi, uh, around, uh, well, yesterday, obviously, but also uh, the uh, some of the other stories that we had in Triple Threat, particularly about the NRL offering salary cap compensation to teams if they can bring players over from other codes. And I thought Paul uh, has put this quite succinctly. He said, Kempi, surely rugby players would be confused as to why the ball is available so often and wondering <laughs> when the whistle is going to happen because it had been a while.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, i tell you what, they, they probably wouldn't get too long to think either because they'd be too tired, mate, thinking about where the next breath's coming from. Because the ball is in play for so long, um, that's a that's a good take on a good take on uh, on rugby and rugby league, Paul. Uh, look, too too technical at the moment. I think rugby union could do itself a favour by just taking the the um, the impetus and giving it back to the referee, the bloke in the middle of the park, to make decisions and get on with the game. Because the stoppages at the moment, with the way that the NRL are going and marketing the game. It's just a better game to watch. And when you've got people like Steve Hansen, Wayne Smith coming out and saying that, uh, you know, it, it doesn't bode well for, for Rugby Union. And, and then on the back of it, World Rugby coming out and making all these statements post the World Cup, uh, just, put, just putting on, a, you know, another dagger into a, a game that's already struggling to get uh, viewers and keep them, keep them watching the game. So nice text, Paul. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what a lot of people think. I know that New Zealand's a mad Rugby Union country. Rick um, but I wonder how many people actually I call them crossover, crossover um, crowds you know where you are a dead set viewer of one sport you're, you're the perfect person Rick because you're mad on soccer you're mad on boxing UFC and then you love rugby you know you're a blues man through and through and then the Warriors come along I wonder how many people especially in New Zealand when rugby union is our our our, our national game I, I wonder if it is actually still our national game.
2: Mate, it's, it's a great question. I did notice there was some playing stats that came out yesterday to say that, uh, once again, that uh, less boys are playing rugby, but actually girls' participation is up, uh, which is interesting. But uh, I think the number one participation sport in New Zealand now for under for 17 and unders is football, and, and it's by about 20 or 30,000. Yeah, and... and and
3: I guess that question that I asked, you'd have, you have to um, ask it in in two ways. One as a participator and one as a viewer. So, yep, so I, I, I hear, I totally agree with you. I think football's the fastest growing sport in New Zealand. Yep, I get that. Kids are playing it, they're, they're moving away from collision sport. But from a viewership, and, and this is a question out there, double eight, double three, what do you watch more? Do you watch NRL more or do you watch rugby union more? Because what I'm hearing in the last 12 months when I'm listening to people and reading the the messages that are coming in is that they're switching off the the rugby union and they're switching over to watch rugby league. And I've got to say, and I've said this this year, when me and Sammy Hewitt were calling the Warriors, the crowd had changed. So I've been going to that um, Mount Smart experience now for over 20 years. I have to say that this year I noticed a considerable change in the demographic of the crowd at the Warriors game. So what what is going on? Are you still a diehard rug, Rugby Union fan, double eight, double three, or now do you support Rugby League because it's a lot less complicated?
2: Well, I think there's there's definitely been a shift, mate. Uh, and, and it's interesting you, the way you put that too because, I mean, I played football for a lot of years. I played up until I was in my early 40s. And I played with guys, you know, and I, like I said, I'm a big football fan. So the Phoenix would be coming to town or the All Whites or, or whoever it was and I would talk to the team about going you know, going and watching the game, and more than half of them couldn't be bothered, but if there was an All Blacks test, they'd go. Mm. You know, and I yeah, think that's... And, and,
3: and that's right, Rick. That's what you're talking about. You know, like, what is it that actually gets you motivated to actually go and, and hang out with your mates and watch, you, watch a, a game? I think New Zealand's got a massive problem with that in general, um, and this is why the Warriors have done so well last year to pick that stadium out with 20-plus thousand people every home game, so... Uh, it's, a, it's a, uh, I guess, a big debate of where we go and Do they need changes in Rugby Union? Does Rugby League continue to, you know, do the smash and grab? Ma- imagine what happens with Abdo and Valandis if They get this right, and then all of a sudden you've got 17, maybe the NRL franchise of Papua New Guinea coming in, and they raid Rugby Union with salary cap, salary cap exemptions. Then what do you do?
2: Yeah, well, that's the thing. And, you know, you talked about rugby, rugby people watching Rugby League. I mean, the, I, I know Steve... Uh, Divine has said it on air, and I'm pr- I'm trying to remember who the other one was, and it may have been Jeff Wilson. Um, and, but I'm, I don't want to put words in his mouth of it was him, but it was somebody like that who had said uh, around the Super Rugby season had said that I can't remember what the game was that the game was so bad that they were watching that they turned over and watched the rugby league instead, and that was coming from guys who were former All Blacks. Yeah, yeah. Look,
3: I I think from a from a player's perspective, you're watching both codes, um, but I do sort of get the feeling that the viewership is starting to change. And the reason why it's changing is because of the, of the technical side of Rugby Union and the amount of stoppages and the entertainment. Look, like, you've got to be so good at it these days to keep people switched on. Uh, and I just think at the moment what Rugby Union are doing, uh, they, they are actually switching people off. They're not even trying to keep them interested in the game. They've got these fish heads at the top that are making all these rules and decisions that are actually taken away from, from the event that's happening, which is a game of rugby. And the, and the Aaron Smith um, saga
2: is a, is a prime example of that. Uh, good text here from Mark, who said, boys, I'd rather watch paint dry than rugby union. But Mark also reminds us of a text he sent through yesterday. He tipped... Cody Banner in the first race yesterday, it was paying $41 to win and fourteen fifty to place. So Mark has got full pockets and coffees are on him this morning if you're hanging out with Mark. That is a great call.
3: Mate, that is, honestly, it was the first text you sent to me yesterday, Rick, when you said he texted he, he text in that um, tip for us yesterday. Look, people were listening to the breakfast show, they would have got absolutely paid yesterday and that's the first one they would have got paid on. What a start to the day. 45s and 12s and it smoked and it was that type of day down at Addington yesterday. If you, were, if you were back in Outsiders, just for a place especially, um, you would have had full pockets.
2: Uh, the team from New Plymouth has got a question for Paul Mawadi that we'll hold on to. Uh, but I don't know if you noticed this, Kempi. Swayze monstered them in the cup. Lead up wins were impressive. Can you ask Mr. Mawadi how its price on the tote dropped from four fifty to two sixty just prior to the start without them dumping a whole lot of fixed odds money on the tote? There should be an investigation. That's from Dean and your yeah. club.
3: And I and I saw that. I saw it come at two dollar sixty when it when it flashed up on the T A B after it went over the line and thought, Wow, someone's had a late plunge on um, Swayze to get a home. <laughs> In the context of the cup, it played out exactly as the bookies had it. So, there would have been, um, you know, I like I like to think, and I'm, I'm you know, I'm a, con, you know, playing a bit of a conspiracy theorist here. Sometimes you think that the bookies actually dump dump elsewhere and try to try to get their money back. You know what I mean?
6: Mm, yeah. Um,
3: and, and and all sorts of odds and that happen out. Look, I know that they do that when you go when you go up to England and you can go and get your odds, and and, and barter your odds up there um, on course. But it it, it I'd hear what Dean saying. It was at four dollars, four dollars plus, and then went over and paid two dollars sixty. I was like, wow, that's a that's a massive um, cut in the in the actual price when it, before it jumped. And yeah, we'll ask Paulie Mulwadi uh, Dino, that question and see how that actually works. But, you know, for me I think New Zealand bookmakers, it's what's in and what you've got on the pool, what goes out. You know, hence the, the trifecta being twenty seven bucks. You know, beach ball Swazi Akuda, that's everyone's first three picks. So I guess everyone jumped on that.
2: That'll be the We will ask Paulie that for you, Dean. Don't you worry, we've got a heap of texts coming through. We'll get to those real soon, right now, though. We need to get away and catch up with Araha for the latest in news, thanks to Kubota. Kubota's in stock catalogue is out now. Flight Centre's big red sale is on with limited time offers on flights, cruises, holidays, and tours. A book now to save. Big time for some sports news headlines for you. Sky Sports in the UK are going to broadcast the Cricket World Cup semi finals and final in Hindi to appeal to the UK's Indian population as their team go for glory after England were knocked out and staying in England. Just a day after his funeral in Manchester, Sir Bobby Charlton's England shirt from the '66 World Cup semi-final has been brought for £59,000 at an auction. Charlton scored two goals in front of 94,000 fans at Wembley against Portugal to seal England's passage to the World Cup final in a 2-1 win in the iconic kit. And the Buffalo Bills have fired offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey and named quarterback coach Joe Brady as the interim replacement. The Bills announced the move Tuesday, less than twenty-four hours after their upset loss to the Denver Broncos on Monday night football. The Bills are five-and-five. They committed four turnovers in the loss, including three-by-star quarterback Josh Allen, who leads the NFL with thirteen turnovers and eleven interceptions, not a stat you want. The Bills offense has not scored more than twenty-five points since week four. Turnovers have been a major issue, especially for Allen, who spent his first four seasons in the NFL with Dabol as his offensive coordinator. Catch every NFL game this season with Game Pass. Only on DAZN. Visit com forward slash NFL. Those are some sports news headlines for you. Let's get back to the text machine, because plenty of text coming through on double eight double three Kimpy, And this is uh, one from Pete Matata, who says, Still a union man through and through. But a Panthers diehard since the 80s. I really watch Super Rugby. I still pay more attention uh, than the NRL. The international game is much bigger than league. From Pete,
3: yeah, and and it is. I totally agree with you, Pete. That the international is bigger than than uh, rugby league's international game. That's a definite no-brainer. But from a from a from a spectator's point of view, and and we've still got the diehards watching it, like Pete Rugby Union. what... What are, you, what are your, your, your nephews and your, 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 your kids, you know, your 20-year-olds watching these days? Because I remember Rick, and I've told the story. When my first 15 coach, like, he'd get a beer, we'd go over there and watch an all-black test together. You know what I mean? When I, mm. when I got into my late teens, early 20s, I'd go into pubs and the, and the all-blacks would be playing. It would be packed, everyone watching telly. After my football career I came home, I was sitting, sitting in a bar down at Christchurch, actually, uh, and it was on a cup week. There was actually a couple weeks, and there was a rugby, um, like a replay playing on tally. No one was looking at it. You know? And I was like, it just was totally different than what I was used to. Um, if there was rugby playing, whether it was an old game, a, a current game, or whatever, the whole place would be lit up. And I think those those um, days had well and truly gone. And, I, you know, it'd be really interesting to see where that is actually headed, and if it can be halted as far as our national
2: game, because I think rugby is under a bit of pressure. Well, I think so, and Jamie from Wanaka's texted through on double eight double three as well with a bit of a story. He said, morning guys, every year I take my son to one game, and he gets to choose. It's always been either the All Blacks or the Highlanders. The draw for the NRL came out, and he decided he wanted to go to the Warriors. So we've already got flights and accommodation booked.
3: That's, yeah, and that and that's sort of what I'm touching on, Rick, is that you know, when I look at when I look at what's up for offer, watching telly, because you know, part of our our role is we've got to watch as much sport as possible, given the time that we can watch it on. Now, when you when you when you're watching Opaki rugby up against the NRL um, W, you've got these transfer of players. It's talking Nathan Wong's gone over to St George. Um, you know, Sunny Williams' sister um, has also moved over. You know, what's going on She's with those got games Titans, you watched the games? Yeah. It's like it's like. You know, if the players are starting to do that, what are the fans doing?
2: Well, I tell know, you, Ruben, like that, the boss, has texted through uh, as well, and he said uh, that player that I was talking about who said uh, that that game, the Super Rugby game, was bad and so he turned over to watched the NRL was Justin Marshall.
3: Just, well, there you go. And who would have thought that just? See, I would, you know, I would often, for for, for a number of years, listen, listen to some of the... I guess the the voices of rugby union talk, and they would never once, in their breath, talk about rugby league. That's changed. Like the, there is an absolute absolute change in the way that rugby league and rugby union, um, how it is viewed in this country. When you like, so you've got Justin Moore, uh Justin Morgan. I'm even talking league. Um, you've got the likes of Shag, Smithy, and uh, Justin talking about rugby union being turned off and I'm watching rugby league uh, mate you, you've got to you've got to sort of listen to that conversation mm. you know because you if doing they're it? doing it and, and people are going well those are our iconic figures saying it I'm sure that the public are doing it as well
2: You know, and there are are people who are passionate about the union. Uh, Paul from Hawara is one. He said, Morning, guys. I watch union still. Love the NPC. I go to two super games in Wellington every year. I follow the Canes from the Naki, and I'm involved in club rugby. I would watch a couple of league games a year. Um, so, you know, Paul is very much uh, the, uh, the rugby man that we used to see that we talked about. But then we've had this one come through as well. No name on the text, but I'm a rugby tragic, played NPC and Heartland, coached first 15 in premier grade. But after watching that Dow World Cup final the other week, I'd ray, way rather watch State of Origin.
3: Yeah, and, and that, that's a great, that's a text that we're looking, looking at, you know what I mean? Like, you've got the diehard, so here's a coach a supporter, a, you know, at, at domestic and, and national level, but then he wants to switch on and watch Rugby League. That is actually, for me, that's, that's actually physically happening at the Warriors. So they always used to talk about it. When I was coaching at the Warriors, they always talked about crossover crowd. Like when the Blues played and the Warriors played on the, on the different weekend, it was about who's going to attract the more play, the um, mm. crowd. Now, I think, I think hands down the Warriors are winning that one. You know what I mean? Like you look at Eden Park and you look at you look at Mount Smart Stadium. When that when the Blues are playing or the Warriors are playing, there is there is no competition. The Warriors have won that one hands down. Now is that actually happening with the viewership around the country? Because rugby league isn't played in the countries, mate. We don't have senior competitions playing where you can go and watch your Cliftons and your two coppers and your spots with old boys and so on. You know, you've you've got to watch rugby league on telly. So do we now have a a, a union um, cohort watching local football, but then they go home and they throw the Warriors jersey on and they watch League at night.
2: Every chance, mate, every chance. So uh, This one has just come through as well. I love watching rugby, always will. I've got two nephews playing super rugby, but the Warriors have done wonders for the game. I love watching them, and my young nephews love Sean Johnson and the Warriors, so there's definitely a changing of the guard, it feels like. Kimpy, keep your texts rolling through. Double eight double three. Want to hear from you or oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. It's eighteen away from seven. It's thirteen away from seven o'clock. Double eight double three is the temper Bed Post text line. You with Izzy and Kimpy for breakfast. We've been talking this morning. A few things. One of those is about the NRL and uh, Andrew Abdo saying, look, you know, we will have salary cap compensation if. NRL clubs want to chase star players from other codes. How would that work out? We also talked about the cricket as well. Ross Taylor is coming on after 7 o'clock. But we talked about what percentage chance you'd give uh, the Black Caps of winning the game against India tonight. Uh, Plenty of text coming through on both of those subjects. Paul who texted through, I think, uh, Paul from Hawara, saying, World Rugby is too obsessed with trying to appear to be a global game. They don't understand that less is more when it comes to quality. I would rather have a World Cup of 12 quality teams uh, than 24, where 16 of them are rubbish.
3: Yeah, look, I, I, I I think what happens, you know, if I give my experience with rugby union and rugby league over the years, and, I, and, and I've always told people this, like I was brought up a rugby union man, you know. So I played rugby union all my junior um, football right through to high school, first 15. Um, but league was introduced to me when I was seven and would play that through on the Sunday. Because, you know, we never had this, you can't play too many games thing. You play and train alternate nights um, during the week and both games on the weekend. And there's definitely a class divide, Rick. All right. So what you're talking about is you're talking about world even in the name world rugby. You know what I mean? World yep. rugby is a is a it's a class divide. Well, let me give you a thing about class divide. Class class is about really about the rich, in it. The rich versus the poor. You're going through classes, definitely a class divide in England because you do have the poor and you do have the rich over there. In new in let's go in New Zealand for instance, well, the Auckland rugby league's worth 140 million and Alltex is worth probably about the same amount of money and own the warriors and there's definitely a class divide in rugby rugby union rugby league compared to the two 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 um, Auckland businesses that run the run the games in this country so i think we've got to push that that conversation out the door i'm talking about the purest entertainment package here and i think what's going on is that rugby union is actually killing its sport. World rugby is killing its sport. It is now becoming too much, you know, the old kick and clap? I don't really like that saying, you kick the ball and you clap and it goes out. Now, I actually think they they are creating that scenario where it's not kick and clap, it's just stop and wait Mm. for action. And of course, what people want is ongoing action and you're getting that with rugby league, so... I know that a lot of our they are coming in, they're, they're of the same elk as me and you. But what's happening to our younger generations?
2: Well, that's the question. What are they watching? Uh, I, d- I did see a metric about uh, uh, people, uh, the young, the latest generation, I think it's what it is, under 25 or whatever it is, and their engagement of what they watch online. Um, and they did it, I think it was from five years ago, and then compared it to now. And five years ago, I think rugby was around eighth, and rugby's not in the top 20 now, um, according to the latest. So, I mean, that says a lot. Um, Yeah, so it's something to to think about for the powers that be. Uh, Scott Tutsarangi said, my daughter's got into playing rugby, so I'm watching the women's game and NRL, which is interesting because it's the same rules, but the game seems to be a bit different, and they seem to be... Less uh, risk averse, you know, they're more willing to throw the ball around.
3: Yeah, and and the other thing too is when you when you're having the um, the the Tyler Nathan Wongs, that those type of players, the Niall Williams tra- transferring through the codes, and you can play 7s or all-picky rugby, and then go to the NRLW, um, the 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 women's game in, in the in the overball sport code in New Zealand is absolutely thriving. I know it's one of the questions they're trying to answer in Rugby Union about how do they get more girls playing Rugby Union. I'm telling you right now in Rugby League, they do not have that problem. Right from the ages of under 13 through, they have tournaments where they are packing out provinces with Girls Rugby League. And when you've got that that aspiration of getting into NRLW, um, the sooner the Warriors bring back a women's team, the better it's going to be for this country.
2: Yeah, 100%. And i tell you what, you really, rugby really needs to worry then because, I mean, I think there's been, what, six or seven uh, former Black Ferns, uh, go to rugby league. I think uh, there'd be far more if there's an NRLW team all of a sudden available for them to play for in New Zealand. Hino Trucks, a better class of truck. Make your working life easier. Visit hino.co.nz. Keep those texts rolling through. Double we're seven away from seven. 800 or double eight double three. Mount Smart is a little cauldron with a big fire under it. Eden Park, for many non-ABs games, is a big, tepid, Olympic-sized swimming pool with too many lifeguards and expensive towels. If the Warriors played Winks, it would still be a good day out. We'll just have that text through. No name on it. Please do put your name on text when you send them through so we can give you a shout-out. That is a, that is a great text. And yeah, a lot of people talk about... you. I mean, you mentioned it too. The crowd has changed, but... How loud the crowd is when you go to a warriors game versus pretty much anything else oh, not only how loud it is you know like the the the
3: entertainment and the conversation that people are having when they when they're making that noise um, I, I, look I'm talking about the demographic the changing of the of the um, the demographic from age to gender to um, ethnicity all through the the warriors uh, you know I know one thing I noticed this year every Warriors supporter had a warriors jersey on and it might have been from a different year or different era or current but mate they're spending money over the till as well their 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 merchandise van has always got backlogs of people on it
2: well i mentioned this a while ago but i i I heard a story from somebody uh, a few years ago that used to work within rugby league in australia and they said that when it came to merch the warriors outsold everybody else in australia i think um, we're going back probably 6, 7, maybe 8 years now And they are saying that they, the Warriors were selling something like 34,000 jerseys a year And then the next highest selling was the Dogs With about 18,000 So they are absolutely mm. cream It ex- explains why they were releasing 4 or 5 jerseys a year At times Coming up on the show After 7 o'clock We will have a Love Racing for you And we'll catch up with all the latest news with Kempe But up next after the latest in news with Araha It is Ross Taylor We're going to talk that cricket semi-final Cricket World Cup semi-final The Black and the Indians. That is taking place right here, 9.30 tonight on SENZ. Here's Araha with news for Kubota. Kubota's in-stock catalogue is out now.
0: got to push for two.
1: Who's going to cover the keeper's stunts? They're going to go. Got to get him. There he Oh, direct it. Thanks, Kevin. I've made my decision. It says that magic three-letter word. There's a little touches there. It is. It is. It's over. It's over. Latham takes the catch. Pyrotechnics go off. What, what a performance from New Zealand to defeat 239 and do it by 18 runs and blow this
2: tournament wide apart. Kiara, good morning and welcome into the show. If you're just joining us, it is four past seven here on Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Izzy... Still away in Queensland. He'll be back uh, at the end of the month uh, filming a show with Beaver. And I hope we'll catch up with him again tomorrow as he gives us another uh, where is he. Uh, Now, it is Tradies Hour with Night and Day. Start your morning with a hell of a coffee from just $4.50 at your local Night and Day. Now, Ross Taylor's not too far away. We're going to talk cricket with him. The big semi-final tonight. Live coverage of that game right here on SENZ from 9.30 tonight. Uh, But here is Who Am I? Clue number two for a $100 Adidas golf voucher. Get away with Adidas golf. Visit adidas.co.nz. Get away with golf. T's and C's apply. I'm a cricketer, and on test debut in 2016, I scored a half century and took a five-wicket haul. I'm a cricketer, and on test boo in 2016, I scored a half century and took a five-wicket haul. Who am I? Double eight double three is the text line. If you know that, give us your answer. And potentially, hundred dollar Adidas gift voucher could be all yours uh, with Adidas Golf as well. Also, coming up on the show, former Firebirds player, Wellington Firebirds player Josh Brody. He is uh, just done the half Ironman in Melbourne, he's doing the Ironman and uh, half Ironman in Taupo, and then the Ironman in Taupo. I'm doing it all for Asthma New Zealand as well. So We're looking forward to catching up with him and Michael Carlson on the NFL after 8 o'clock as well. Right now, though, let's talk some cricket because tonight the big game is on between New Zealand and India in uh, Mumbai. And it's going to be an absolute classic. 2019, the same stage these two teams met and New Zealand denied the opportunity for India to make the final. Will they do it again now that they are in uh, India, because that's a whole different kettle of fish, playing the Indians in India. And a man who knows a lot about that is Ross Taylor. He joins us now. Morning, Ross. Thanks for your time. Good morning. Mate, uh, I, I guess the first question for you is, I mean, it's it's semi-final time, so the pressure's on both teams, but how much different is it going to be for our boys playing India in India at, at this time of the tournament versus playing them in England like we did four years ago?
0: Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's obviously um, India are heavy favourites. Um, they, they were favourites last time, but I think the extra expectation that they'll be on, um, you know, Mumbai was the ground that they beat, uh, Sri Lanka in 2011, uh, you know, it's a famous city, famous ground. Um, and I think just even the talk from a lot of the New Zealand players and the public, I think we know we're a chance, we know we have to play well. Um, But any time you play India, you know, it's the first time that we've lost to them in 20 years in this tournament. And I think they'll be nervous facing us. Yeah, they'll be really, really nervous, I think,
3: too, Ross. Thanks for for joining us this morning on Breakfast. Hey, do you think it's a a matter that the Kiwis have got nothing to lose and they just go out there and enjoy themselves?
0: Yeah, I think there's an element to that. But, then you also have... Uh, a lot of guys that were there in 2019 uh, that they can rely on that experience. Um, a lot of guys have had IPL experience, um, you know, that will put them in and know the conditions well. Um, and you know that you know 99% of the crowd are going to be going for the other team. Um, so I think that there is going to be an element of that uh, that they've got nothing to lose, and I think you know any team that's got nothing to lose um, but still has that experience and. Uh, you know, are going to be dangerous. And, and I think, you know, whatever we do, first of all, I think we just need to stay in the fight just as um, as long as possible because I think, you know, if we can just, you know, get a couple of early wickets or, or just negate their fast bowlers, of uh, those first 10 overs, I think, um, you know, I think we'll just gather a bit more confidence each time as well.
2: Now, there's a lot... We'll talk is the actual game, surely, Ross, but the, the 12th man gets gets a lot of talk about And when I say the 12th man, I don't mean the guy running the drinks. I mean the, the people in the stands. The Indians are used to this kind of pressure, aren't they? I mean, how much, how telling do you think it will it be? Because there's that fine line between egging you on and actually maybe putting uh, a bit of weight on your shoulders.
0: Yeah, I think that's all how much pressure we can put on them. Um, You know, if uh, they're dominating, uh, that's just going to bring the crowd into it even more. Um, But if we can just put them under pressure, um, you know, that that top three... um, Gill, Roach, Sharma uh, and Coley. Um, you know, I think it's a middle order that hasn't needed to bat uh, in, in testing times. They've you know have come in when they've um, been under not as much pressure uh, and been able to bat. So I think it's up to us to put them under pressure and and try and negate the crowd as much as possible.
3: Ross, you've you've skipped the the black caps and I guess you probably sat there and thought what you'd do if you win the toss tonight what do you what do you do? Do, you, do you throw them into bat or do you get in there first
0: well, I think the times that I've played in Mumbai it is unbelievably hot so uh, I think you need to just try and get out there and, and bat um, you know I think every time apart from Australia and Maxwell uh, the team that's batted first has won uh, in this tournament to date. Um, we did beat India five or six years ago um, bowling Bowling first, but um, yeah, I think traditionally, you know, it's just so hot and humid. Um, I'm sure the fast bowlers would love to just be able to, um, you know, show their skills uh, at night uh, with a with of wicket it's probably got a little bit of dew, um, and obviously probably 10 degrees uh, <laughs> cooler as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, bowling at night for for our pace guys, particularly Trent and Southey, uh, will that, that give it more opportunity to swing as well? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, every time we we'll played play the test
0: match and bowl, you know, to to bowl three or four or five overs is extremely tough. Uh, spinners can do it. Um, and India are used to these conditions a lot more than us. But, you know, look at the South Africa match. I mean, a lot of their players are overheating. Um, mm. It is getting cooler uh, at this time of the year. But, um, yeah, without seeing the wicket, I would have thought, um, you know, putting, putting in India into the field and... Um, you know, and trying to make um, you know, it's just natural. You are going to get um, a little bit more tired in, in that heat and sapping. And you know, if we can keep them out there as long as possible. And um, yeah. I think a lot of these innings are taking three and a, three hours, forty-five, four hours to go. Um, that can take a lot of energy out of you. Yeah, over that period of time, especially in that heat. What about what about
3: this matchup between Coley and Ravindra? Um, both chasing six hundred runs for the for the tournament. Uh, he can make a, a, a name for himself here can't
0: he Richen. Oh very much so I think um, if you would have said at the start of the tournament that Coley was um, not far away from 600 runs that wouldn't have been a surprise where um, you know Retchin, the way he's gone about it um, the way he's showed the calmness I think about his the way he scored his runs um, it just shows you you know players taking their opportunity and leading into this tournament he's probably a month out was not even in the starting lineup, but he, he came in and played well in the, the warm up games and uh, has taken the World Cup by storm. But um, no, I think um, you know that youthfulness, exuberance, and, and probably lack of experiences will play into his favour. I think he probably doesn't know the magnitude of the game and can go out there and play his uh, what's been successful for him today. Um, you know, it's, it's a great story in itself, and and the way he's played. Um, you know, not only for this tournament, I think he's going to be a key cog in the wheel for this New Zealand team going forward over the next decade
2: or so. Yeah I think so we had Mark Borthwick on yesterday actually mate uh, who coached him at uh, at, at Hutt uh, High and, and then through uh, the Wellington system as well um, what are your thoughts on where he's best suited to play, obviously there's three different formats of the game but uh, you know, where do you think he fits best in a batting lineup?
0: Great question uh, I mean you know, batting at that opener spot in one day cricket, uh, he's not I think a lot of it depends on where Kane ends up going. Obviously, Kane's not getting any younger, and um, he's probably an automatic replacement for Kane in time. Um, Twenty-twenty. Um, once again, you've got to bet up the top is the most, but then you've got a settled lineup and and Finn Allen and Conway. So I think he's earned the right to fit his way into the team somehow, um, where that is. Um, you know, it's, it's whether they they stick with the status quo or or um, move move, um, move, Alan out somewhere else and you know it's not only his batting I think his all round ability in the field yep. and, and his bowling makes him an asset also
2: you, you talk about all round ability there's a, a bit of all round ability about this New Zealand team isn't there I mean I was looking at it the other day I think 7 of the 11 can bowl uh, and I think it's to, to, at times have Um you, how I asked this question at the beginning of the show uh, to to Kempe and, and, and to our listeners, what percentage chance you give the Black Caps of beating India in Mumbai tonight?
6: Um,
2: <laughs> oh, that's a tough one. Um,
0: can I answer it after the first ten? Months? Sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Just text me. <laughs> um, oh, I think you know they haven't lost the game, and I think that's also going to play in your mind you know, is is that bad game going to be a semi-final? Um, but oh, I think, you know, it's a 65-70% it's a India-era favourites, I think. But I think, you know, I think in the past, New Zealand teams have made the semi-final. There's, I think we hope, but I think there's a genuine belief in that group that they can win. Um, and it's not hope that they can go out there and, and show their skills and... Um, and stick it to them. Um, you know, we're going to have to play a close to perfect game, but uh, as we've seen, uh, a two-horse race, uh, we're, we're definitely a, a big chance.
2: It's funny the way the New Zealand team has developed, isn't it? I mean, I was just thinking about that last pool game, Ross, uh, I remember looking at the teams and going, in what world would you have thought there was going to be a World Cup game in the subcontinent and Pakistan going with four seamers and we going with four spinners?
0: Oh, I mean, it, it just—it it shows you. I think um, it's also—it's a subcontinent World Cup that's got only one subcontinent team in the semi-final. Um, that doesn't often happen. Um, I think it shows you where Pakistan and Sri Lanka cricket. Um, Afghanistan is probably the second best, um, you know, subcontinent team in the world at the moment in this format, which is good. Um, but I think for this game of cricket, we need Sri Lanka and. Um, Pakistan to be strong, but also I just feel like they're going through a bit of a, a rebuilding phase for probably a little bit longer than that they would want. But um, no, I mean it's a it's been a, it's been a good World Cup. It's not often a World Cup that you can you get to play everybody. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll see. Uh, this time, when everyone wakes up tomorrow, there might be a few a few tired Kiwis if we uh, if we stay stay in the game for for a long time. Yeah, get up
3: the black cap. So, w- w- what does Mumbai um, favour, Ross, the, the
0: seamers or the or the spinners? I think um, it's, they use red clay over there, and red clay is probably the bounciest clay. But there's a there's a point where it gets too dry; it actually spins uh, a lot. Uh, that's where Ajaz Patel got his ten wickets in the first innings uh, of a Test match, um, the first time ever that that's happened in the first innings. Um, so. You know, it is an ICC World Cup but um you know the the Indian wickets have probably spun more so than the other games so um you know a lot of the reports are saying that it it will be slow and, and low and and probably suits them um, because they have fast bowlers you know regardless of what the wicket is they they get a little bit of kiss off the off the wicket and um, and obviously they've got so many so many spinning options um in their part timers as well that uh, you know if they do if you do go after a, um, a Yadav or, or a Didasia, that, um, they've got some pretty handy part-timers as well.
2: Would you be tempted then, uh, off what you've just said there, to include Cole Jamison in the eleven for this game? I know he hasn't played at the World Cup. He came in as an injury replacement for Matt Henry, but at 6'8", he gives you a different angle. The ball comes up off the pitch a bit differently.
0: Yeah, and, and I guess the thing we've seen so far that there's been a lot of injuries. Um, how How fit is he? Um and is it gonna be a risk? I suppose it's who you leave out. Um and that. You'd probably have to leave out a Mark Chapman. Uh and then setting her up to seven. Um but I think what you know, what this team has done for a for a long time is, is been loyal to its its starting eleven and I, I don't see them making a change, um, you know, for such a such an important game. But um, you know, Southie, um Matt Henry's been a, had such a fantastic game against the Indians in 2019. Uh, I think he'll be a bit of a loss, but uh, you know how Southie bowls up front, um, You know, if it does swing, uh, then we've got two, two pretty good exponents uh, in Bolton South.
2: Now, uh, just before we let you go, mate, uh, there was a, a comment made by Mitchell Stark, which I found really interesting uh, just the other day. He's suggesting that uh, 50 over cricket needs to just go back to having one ball per innings because it's too heavily weighted in favour of the batsman now and it's, it's, you know, he's not been able to get the ball to swing a, uh, as much. Uh, do you think he's got a point or is this just a bloke who's been going, averaging over 40 and only taken six wickets for the tournament?
0: <laughs> um, I was in India what, a couple of weeks ago and I was on commentary with, with Ravi and Dooley. Um, I think you still need the two new balls, but I think <clears throat> I think for the last 10 overs... 15 overs, it should only be one ball. I think the ball's still too new. Um, the art of reverse swing has gone out uh, of the game mm. of cricket. Um, and when you have two new balls, uh, especially if the wicket's not that abrasive, you pretty much, the batters are smacking a brand new ball um, into the stands at will. Where it definitely, I definitely agree that it's gone too far in favour of, uh, um, you know, the batters. Um, you know, scores of three eighty, four hundred, probably not conducive to great viewing. I mean, why would you be a bowler? Uh, but no, I think there definitely needs to be some rule change to to bring the bowlers back into it in some capacity. Yeah, good call,
3: good call, Ross. Hey, um, just just before you let you go there, mate. You, I know you're an avid uh, Gallops man and you follow the follow the GGs. Uh, we had uh, Cup Day yesterday, the Harness Boys, but you've got a couple of race days—one today down in Rickett, and, and again on Saturday, mate. You got anything for us? What do what you like? Have you been looking at the form?
0: Oh, deepest. Um, I normally just go with what um, Butch Castle tells me, and he's no good. Um, he, you has broke then. some shockers recently, <laughs> um, so I don't 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 listen to don't listen to me. Um, but no, there's some good there's some good ones in, in December uh, here at Waikato to uh, coming up. So. Um, Give us a text and I'll tell you I'll tell you then. Alright, sounds good,
2: good Roscoe. Thanks very much for your time <laughs> this morning, brother. Go well. And uh good luck on the punt this weekend, eh? Try and avoid butch. Yeah, I will. <laughs> take it, take Cheers, mate. Thanks very much. Ross Taylor there with us, uh talking cricket and that cricket semi-final between the Black Caps and India. That is coming up tonight. There is live coverage right here on S E N Z. Uh, the game starts at nine thirty, I believe. Uh commentary coverage starts around nine o'clock. So you can tune in and check out all the latest action. According to the TAB well, there's been obviously a little bit of money on India because they've gone down again into a dollar thirty. New Zealand gone out. I think they were three twenty yesterday. They're now out at three forty. Uh, so uh, that is the way the market is looking. We'll catch up with Paul Mawadi uh, in around an hour's time and get the latest on that. Uh, you need a new mobile plan? Visit Kogan Mobile. You're listening to Izzy and Kimpy for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse keeping you healthy this spring. It's 726-0800-150-811 or double eight double three is uh, how you get hold of us. It is Trade's Hour uh, with Night and Day. Warm up this morning with a hell of a coffee. Starting at $4.50 at your local night and day. Uh, and yeah, good to hear uh, from Ross Taylor and get his thoughts on uh, the game that is uh, happening tonight between New Zealand and India at the Cricket World Cup. Of course, it is uh, the semi-final. We did beat them at the last uh, the last 50-over semi-final. Uh, we had a text through from Cookie. Morning, boys. Here's one for the cricket and impending weather for the South Africa-Australia game. The bet is India first and South Africa second at $4, while South Africa first and New Zealand second at $17. South Africa will advance on superior run rate if the game is abandoned, is what Cookie is saying. So there you go, a bit of oil from Cookie. If that game is abandoned, there is a a cyclone apparently heading uh, to Kolkata, and uh, it's supposed to hit... The day of the first of the second semi-final, and then still be there the day after, which is the reserve day. So, what they're suggesting is there's a chance the game doesn't get played, Kimpy.
3: Hmm. Yeah. And but what I know about cyclones is that they do change um, tact at the last minute. So you know that's hoping that that cyclone actually does uh, does hit India. Rob, what, what are, what's your thoughts on that bet mate? You know, like you've just heard Ross Taylor, you, you said that they should be. Probably going out there and batting first. Uh, he's talking about the heat and all that sort of stuff. At seventeen bucks, would it be a bet you'd be quite happy to take.
5: Um, after after yesterday, I don't quite have the funds to be able to take any bets, Kimpy. Um, <laughs> well, were, you,
3: were you following the Pundits Club? Yeah, maybe,
5: maybe, maybe. Um but but yeah no it's it's not bad i, I think um yeah def- definitely batting first is the go um you know bit a bit of assistance for the bowlers under lights as well um so the toss is going to be pretty massive i think it'll be a huge shock if uh the team winning the toss bowls first
3: yeah mm, yeah well so, yeah i yeah i like i like that Rick I, I like what ross is saying around like if you're there you're you're in with a chance you know and um it makes a lot of sense it, it, as a skipper ex skipper he's you know, basically rolling it out how he thinks it should be played. Uh, And I like that energy, you know, it's going to be really hot. That's probably one of the things that the Indians are going to cope with a lot better than we are. So they'll try and play it up-tempo. I'm pretty sure if they win it, they want to bat, you know, make him chase, try and tire him out. Um, It's shaping up to be a pretty good game.
2: It's interesting you say that because the, the only thing that I would say to that, Kempy on you know on the on the flip side is that surely we're acclimatized now. We've been there what six weeks?
3: Yeah, well, the yeah, I'd, I'd say they would have um, acclimatized, but they're not as uh, used to it as what the Indians are. Mm. You know, they would have ways of. Um, in, you know, putting applying pressure through that especially that toss, if they get that toss, I think I think what Ross is saying, like, you'd want to get in and bat first because it's got to be a long four hours. Yeah. Um in that type of heat. And you know, the Indians that they're used to that. You know, they're bought up doing that. They know exactly what to do, how to how to how to play the tempo of the game. And I think if they get that toss and they win it and they get, get the get the bat going um, and then you get, you know, the black caps coming on on the back of it, then their bowling becomes a little bit more lethal. Um, really interesting what he's saying about those balls too, you know, like the new balls, and it's really uh, conducive to someone with a bat being a really good, um, having a good tonk with the old bat. So, uh, yeah, mate, I, I, it's a tough one. I'm I'm not at 40% with Rob. I think, I think you know, I think more like a 50-50 for me. Um, based on that if they do get in and bat first, the Black Caps, I think they got a chance.
2: Okay, that's an interesting uh, point of view because Anthony's uh, chipped in on the double 8 double three. Go the Black Caps. 60% if we bat first, 80% if we get over 300. He's also asked this question. Was Talia's pass to Bodie Ford for his try? Should we be talking about that as well as Aaron Smith's try should have been allowed?
3: Well, you know, you've got the pass back on the inside too from Mark. Was that Mark Talia? You thought might have that ball might have come forward from um, Rico owani back and in, mm. back inside. That uh, was for the first for, try, yeah. For the first try, uh, yeah. Well, see, that's what I mean. Like, there's this is a no-win situation with a, with world rugby. They open up one can of worms, and then you already you've got other people saying, "Well, there's all these other other areas that you could have gone back and and uh, had a look at and, and probably changed the course of history." Um, I know in the NRL they don't look at forward passes, mate. I, I sometimes wish that they did look at forward passes. We saw that one against the Warriors when the Broncos played them in the semis. But, you know, it's it's just a no brainer. They should have left it alone. Now they've opened up this Aaron Smith's try should have been allowed and it's gonna be you know, the talk about everyone's gonna talk about it for the rest of the week.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and yeah, it's an interesting point that Anthony brings up. All right, we'll keep your texts coming through, Double We'll get some more of them. We've got some news headlines coming your way right now, though. Thanks to Ara uh, with Kubota. Kubota's in-stock catalogue is out now. Thank you very much. Arro Harden is 26 away from 8 o'clock. Ken Tire, two for one offer now available. Uh, the North Queensland Cowboys have made an interesting addition to their coaching ranks. They've signed former NRL star James Maloney as an assistant on a two-year deal. The 37-year-old. What's that, mate?
3: He knows how to win a final.
2: He does. 37-year-old retired from the game as a player just this year. His last professional game coming from... Uh, Le in and the French Elite 1 competition. Maloney had a player coach with them since joining the club at the end of 2021 when he left Catalan. Teenage sensation, this story Irana Kunda's move to Bayern Munich has been confirmed. Adelaide United securing what is understood to be an A-League record transfer fee for the services of the young man. He's only 17, he's going to remain at Adelaide for the rest of this season before moving to the German Giants on a multi-year deal reportedly worth Australian $5.8 million plus add-ons to Adelaide. Big money coming into uh, an A-League club there uh, in the form of Adelaide. And good luck to uh, the young fella going up there. And uh, sticking with football, Australia's football chief James Johnson believes his country can help FIFA turn their new Club World Cup into a global success as he seeks to bid for the 2029 edition. Aussie opted out of bidding for the 2034 World Cup, but Johnson believes the new 32-team Club World Cup, which will debut in the US in 2025, would more than compensate for missing out on the game's biggest event. There's an opportunity there. 32 teams, 64 matches, played over one month. We've got the biggest teams in the world coming together and fighting it out to be the world champion of club football. It's extremely interesting. Keep your eyes here for that one. More news, I'm sure, will develop uh, over the coming months as to whether or not the Aussies get that over the line. Kenard's higher two for one offer. Visit your local branch today or give them a call. Now uh, we've still got plenty of texts coming through. Kimpy on the rugby and on the cricket. Chris has said Devon Conway paying $12 to be top run scorer across both semi-finals. If the aussie South Africa game is weather interrupted by weather, that is not a bad shout. That's actually a really good shout, Uh, Chris. Thanks for that. Keep those coming through. And a few more texts, too, on rugby. Hey, guys, can New Zealand rugby sue World Rugby after conceding that Aaron's try should have been allowed from Barry?
3: Well, it's like like the referee, you know, he makes a decision on the football field and a player tries to change his mind in the run of play. Mm. <laughs> you know you know that's never ever going to happen uh i i think this is a never ever gonna gonna happen
2: all right okay not going to happen from kempi it's interesting i mean you could argue that the all blacks maybe uh have
4: lost. well what are they going to do what are they going to do what? so
3: you've got it wrong so give us the try and rever- and reverse what? the the um the south african win, win uh, in the world cup
2: no what he's saying is can they sue so forget financial gain, because I suppose you could argue, if you New Zealand rugby, that it has a, an impact because you can't market yourself as world champions, and maybe that costs the money.
3: Ooh, interesting. Then I think the, the forward pass scenario comes into it. So so where is the subjectiveness in the, in the decision? If they got that one wrong from a TMO, well, what about all the forward passes that they got wrong? So now we've got a multiple case going on with... Decisions around forward passes and and missed, uh, missed errors from referees. Mate,
2: well, if, you that, if you did
3: that, if you'd did that, you have no referees.
2: The thing with the forward pass is that the TMO can't do, uh, adjudicate on a forward pass. So it's one so thing So why, f- su-
3: why don't we sue them for that? Because they're not allowed to adjudicate on it.
2: Well, that's the thing. That's what I'm saying is that they can't go back and look at the All Black forward pass because it's not something the TMO could have commented on. So you see what I mean? It's, it's, it's yeah, yeah, honestly, it's a mess. It's an absolute <laughs> mess. Um, this one from Scotty and Papakura. Morning lads, I grew up playing rugby, never played league. I watched a few Warriors games in the early two thousands. Now I'm a league fanatic. It's so much better to watch. Union as Borey has gotten worse as I've gotten older, and I'm 34.
3: Wow! So he's 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 watched it as he's just getting into his teens, and he's calling it worse now. That's that's the person that we want to hear from, like. You know the th- the 30 year olds. You know we, when you're talking 20 20 years before that, rugby union when Super Rugby hit hit the shores. I remember sitting up in England in Leeds and watching Carlos Spencer when Super Rugby hit the hit the tellys, and I was like, oh my God, they've got the game right. It was expansive, it was fun. You know there were tries being scored left, right, and centre. I mean, really, really good rugby, as opposed to like leaving the telly on these days. The, mm. the, I'm not saying that that they're all bad games, because there's some great games at Rugby Union, but I I think from a product perspective, I think the NRL have definitely got the upper hand over Rugby Union. And there's a text there talking about, you know, it's chalk and cheese. You've got five super franchises and one um, national rugby team here in New Zealand. Well, it's not chalk and cheese, because you've you've got a a 17-team professional competition and you've got a, a professional super rugby competition. And you can compare you can, can compare them against each other, and I would much rather watch an NRL competition than a Super
2: Rugby competition. And I think this text here, no name on it, please do put your name on your text when you're sending them through on double eight double three. But I think this sums up a lot of what we've been talking about. Kia ora, boys, the problem is interpretation. How in 2023 can we still be playing and watching a professional sport controlled by one man's interpretation of a rule? The games become overcomplicated to watch and play, so teams just stop playing rugby. Teams just play in two parts of the field and go for penalties. Rugby is uh, no glorified tackle soccer.
3: And and this is where rugby league got it right. Okay, so they introduced two referees. Remember that? Not too long ago. Mm-hmm. Two referees running around, two different interpretations of of a certain rule, which basically was ruining our game. And then they decided to get rid of the referee and make a, a couple of slight tweaks to um, the, the six again rule, which sped the game up, and now you've got grand finals like we saw against Penrith and Brisbane, um, and games which are, are going off the Richter all throughout the NRL season. I think the powers that be, the difference being, is that when you get something wrong, you have to admit it, and you have to get rid of it. And yep. rugby union don't seem to admit it. They seem to come up with more rules to, to gloss over the rule that doesn't work.
2: Yep, sometimes it's easier to pull it back than it is to add more on top. Or, you know that, but I, I think they get they they're just too close to it. I think is big part of the problem, and I still think there's a certain amount of arrogance in the game as well at that, the highest level, and they don't want to admit that they are wrong or that they've done anything uh, that isn't correct. Uh, Nineteen away from eight. Keep your texts rolling through. Double eight, double three. Up next, Kempi gets into it with love racing.
3: Yes, it's 746, you can call us now, 800-158-811. What is your preferred choice to view? Is it Rugby League or Rugby Union? There's a big conversation happening this morning. Double eight, double three on a timberbed uh, text machine. Just text us in what your thoughts are. Uh, and yesterday, we had a big day, if you were listening to Breakfast, and this is what one of our guests, Carter Dalgetty, a young junior that was driving yesterday, had to say about his ride. What's your best for the punters out there, if they're having a look, over have a gold coin each way.
2: Unfortunately, you're going to have to wait till the last race, but Watermelon Sugar in the last. Uh,
7: he's been training the house down, uh, and he's been racing super some bad draws, so... I think we can get it down there.
1: Watermelon Sugar joins it wider. Farside run for Dalton Shard, sticking on. Smoke on the water. Leader Monloncombe a neck to Watermelon Sugar. Waddlebank, Carney late. Farside, Dalton Shard. Leader Monloncombe a neck. Dalton Shard trying to reach her. Monloncombe finding. Dalton Shard diving, but Monloncombe won it. There's three in a row. Beat Dalton Shard. Watermelon Sugar fourth across McCrikey. Then smoke on the water. Bank,
3: car- Thank you very much, Carter, the Dalgettes, Del they got one up there for a place bet for us, Watermelon Sugar, paying good money too, three bucks uh, on that. And we also had a legend of rugby league on, um, great Kiwi coach and a good mate of mine, Frankie. And, he, and this is what he had to say about his black book. What's your best word? what struck your eye? What what's the one on in on your book here, your black book there you're gonna give us say so, Kimpi, well, I think this is the one you want to have a look at?
0: Um in race um, four, there's a roughie there that I, I quite like, Tempo Warrior. It's paying eighteens and five.
1: Kingsdown Atom has boosted the lead here for Johnny Morrison, it's a boil over. Kingsdown Atom by two links Mandalay Bay, close third between Shepherd's Delight and Tempo Warrior.
3: Well there you go and that got up too and paid 5 bucks 70 for a place from Frankie with his little black book so uh, he got you paid on that one but the day I think yesterday was Frankie's day because Millwood Nike sitting three wide the trip went out and done this
1: arty by the seaside mantra blue and Milwood nike the race we all wanted and they got away from carlou flyby then came wicked wonder the three big guns turn locked together 29-1 third quarter arty by the seaside millwood nike the outside has gone to them she's raced to the lead from mantra blue then came arty by the seaside but it's millwood nike at the 100 meters she's well clear four to five lengths from mantra blue a princess with the heart of a warrior. 16 in a row for Millwood Nike. Beats home Mantra Blue. Advanced party race. Well,
3: you had to watch that race to actually uh, hear what was being said about Millwood Nike uh, Nike sitting three wide the trip and went away with it and then winning by at least three lengths um, over Mantra Blue, who was second favourite, couldn't get it done. And Frankie, he got paid. That was another good place bet um, for you. So thank you very much, Frankie, and looking forward to Frankie's 30th coming up uh, with his Rugby League team, 1993 team, uh, his horse, runs again there. Millwood Nike, best horse, I think. Doesn't get beaten. It's won 16 in a row. He'll get 17 on that day as well. And Greg O'Connor, as well as all of New Zealand, was tipping out a cooter yesterday, and it was a damn good battle between Australia and New Zealand. Their cup a bear of trophies over there in Australia, but they get one back over the Kiwis.
1: Swayze two lengths in front, Akuda travels well, going to third Beach Ball underneath of Heezer Sport, three lengths away the rest, turning for home in the cup, 29.6 the third quarter, Swayze shaking up a length and a half to Akuda, trying to go with him, then Beach Ball and a Sport, Swayze finding a length on Akuda, who's coming, then Beach Ball, Swayze still in front, Akuda can't reach him, then came Beach Ball, but it's Swayze,
3: Mapped out nicely by our mate Greg O'Connor, who said that if Swayze got to the front and its sectionals were um, up to scratch, it would be hard to catch, and that's exactly how it worked out. Okuda had every chance to get there sitting in the trial, but when it came out, it just couldn't get past Swayze. The Australians coming over the Raiders. They haven't won one for a while. I think it's the third time they've won a New Zealand Cup, uh, haven't won one since 2015, and they get to take our, our big trophy home. So thanks a lot to Greg O'Connor. If you did get on, though... That place bet yesterday um, from, from Carter into Frank and the Greg, you're getting 20s back. So not a decent place bet there from the boys. Um, and I, I dare say uh, I, was hope, I was hoping that uh, the Punners Club were listening because they could have done better or couldn't have done any worse if they whacked that place bet on for, uh, for the Punners Club who uh, didn't have the best of days yesterday but they go around again today at Rickenham Park with plenty of racing coming up for the rest of the week, a cup week down there in Christchurch. So get amongst it. Uh, Don't forget um, Gamble Responsibility R18. And yes, grab your mates. Get on course. Visit events.loveracing.nz to find a race day near you. That's your Love Racing update.
2: Nice work, Kempe. Nice work. Keep your texts rolling through as well. Double eight, double three. Uh, somebody's asking for us to bring back Baz because we should be talking more cricket rather than union league. Feel Failure. We tried getting Baz on actually, but he hasn't replied to me just yet. So hopefully we can get him on before uh, the uh, cricket. Uh, World Is there Cup actually the a final. cricket
3: supporter out there? Apparently, and amongst so. the thousand league and rugby union texters, There's one yeah, cricket exactly. supporter. Yeah, that's we've,
2: great. well, we've had plenty coming through. Uh, but we've. Uh, I like this one, Kimpy. Um, I've played and coached union my whole life, but the last few years, much enjoyed watching the NRL as opposed to rugby. And uh, but along comes the World Cup, and I'm watching with interest again. A couple of great semis, and then along comes a boring final. I'm gone again. Bring on March. That's uh, from Chris.
3: Yeah, and and that's yeah, you know, I, I, that's what I'm talking about. Crossover, Rick. I think you know I'm a I'm a, I'm a crossover. Um, viewer as well. I don't mind watching rugby and I don't mind watching league and when one isn't, isn't going the way that I like it, I turn the chat t- channel over and watch the other. So I think there's plenty of us out there and uh, Chris is definitely one of those.
2: Yeah, uh, we have been talking cricket, of course, earlier this hour. I had Ross Taylor on uh, talking the Cricket World Cup semi final between New Zealand and India. If you head to SENZ's, uh if you go to the app or if you head to SENZ's website, go to the podcast channel there and you'll be able to replay that if you missed that chat with Ross Taylor that we had earlier this morning. We are seven away from eight on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. It's tradies hour with night and day. Start your morning with a hell of a coffee from just $4.50 at your local night and day. And keep those texts rolling through on double eight double three. Friend of the show, Jamie Wall, has texted through. Uh, Rugby scribe, of course, was over in France for the Rugby World Cup. He said, look, I feel there's a different core issue here it's not so much about which game is better to watch although that's definitely a thing it's more that the nrl is far more attractive to follow and therefore talk about rugby doesn't have any off-field conversations apart from who is coaching the all blacks really once that got shut down it just became rather repetitive and boring until games kicked off you got a point there, you think Kempy
3: there's a few there's a few points in that rick you know he's talking he's talking about um i guess what the pundits and and you know the the ex players and commentary say about the game and, and are not afraid to talk about current issues um and then you have people you know whose opinions are, are really polarizing you know they come out and they actually say what it is and i I think the difference with it is that rugby union are afraid to talk about it that, that's what that's what he's saying. They're afraid to actually talk about the current issues that are that are holding the game back, and and that's a problem for me.
2: Yep, they don't they don't like to lose control of the narrative. Uh, much different to what you see on Fox. Here is Araha with news for you now from Kubota. Kubota's in stock catalog is out now. Second and twenty-eight. Here's Pittman,
6: and Pittman takes it inside the twenty, the ten, towards the end zone, touchdown. At 28, trying to do something here with Christian McCaffrey. Got a bruising block from Brandon Ayuk. Got another from Ray-Ray McCloud. Turned it into a touchdown. Pass yes. intercepted, deflected and picked off. And running with it is Slay, and he breaks the tackle and gallops to the end zone for the pick six.
5: <laughs> Garrett Wilson.
1: Yeah! It's
2: amazing, there is no way. He it. Got it. Good morning and welcome into the show. It's just gone four past eight here on Izzy and Kempy for breakfast. Coming up on the show. Michael Carlson is going to join us out of the UK, an American NFL commentator and pundit. We're going to talk NFL, we're going to talk about Bill Belichick, Josh Allen, and a few other things as well. We'll catch up with Paul Mawadi from the TAB and uh, see how the tab recovered after yesterday in Christchurch. And Josh Brody, former Wellington Firebirds batsman, is also going to join the show before 9 o'clock. He is doing Ironman. He's done a half Ironman in Melbourne, he's got another half Ironman in Taupo coming up And then a full Ironman next year as well. All for charity for asthma. We'll find out why he's doing that and how it came apart and why Ironman. So uh, stay tuned for all of that. We've got another Who Am I clue for you as well. A $100 Adidas Golf voucher is up for grabs. Get away with Adidas Golf. Visit adidas.co.nz. Get away with golf. T's and C's apply. Here is clue number three for you. I represented Zimbabwe at the uh, 2004 Under-19 Cricket World Cup. I represented Zimbabwe at the 2004 Under-19 Cricket World Cup. Double eight, double three. If you know the answer, get yourself in the draw for that $100 Adidas uh, golf voucher. And uh, time now to welcome into the show out of the UK via uh, Boston, or New England at least. Anyway, Mike Carlson. G'day. How are you, sir?
4: I'm okay, or it's good night to me. But um, how are you doing?
2: Yeah, good, thank you, mate. Good. I'm uh, certainly doing better than Josh Allen, uh, who had something of a nightmare. <laughs> he's had had something of a nightmare season, really. I think what uh, between interceptions uh, and fumbles, he's he's uh, he's turned over possession 24 times this season. Uh, but somehow he keeps his job. But uh, Ken Dorsey, the uh, offensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills, uh, gets the sack after that loss to the Broncos on Monday Night Football.
4: Yeah, and that came after I was doing a show uh, this morning and that came after um, uh, before we he- we had heard about it um, and we actually predicted that um, because I think in a sense that he misses Brian Dayball, who's now the head coach of the New York Giants. and. Did, did very well with that team last year, but but is having a worse season than Josh Allen uh, this season. And what's happened in my, in my eyes is Allen's still a tremendously talented player, but they've tried to more or less keep him as a pocket quarterback and take away the running game, which was a big part of his game. And he's got a huge explosive arm, and they keep – they keep getting themselves into situations where they have to throw downfield. And sometimes he's completely accurate, and sometimes he's not. And occasionally, as happened um, on Monday night football, he's accurate, but the ball's thrown so hard that the receivers have trouble hanging on to it. So it's been a really mixed bag for him. And as you say, he's turned the ball over so often, but they, they have nobody to replace him. And in my mind, they were starting to get things right in this game, which they should have won by running the ball very well. I was surprised at how well their offensive line played, but also by involving their secondary receivers. In other words, not just Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis who were their number one and number two targets, but the rookie tight end Dalton Kincaid and the second year guy, uh, Shakir Khalil, Khalil, Shakir. And if they can, If they can draw the defense toward the run game, you know they're going to still double Stephon Diggs. Those secondary guys are going to be man-covered. And this is where Josh Allen hasn't quite been ready, or Ken Dorsey hasn't quite been ready, to steer the offense that way. Buffalo's in a lot of trouble now with a 5-5 and record because in the AFC there are um, eight teams with winning records, and another another three with five and five re- or five and five records. So the battle for the um, wild card playoff spots is going to be a tough one because in the division Miami is now six and three, um, and they're coming off they're coming off a bye week uh, and with a very good chance I think of uh, of going to seven and three against uh, Las Vegas, which would leave which would leave them two games behind.
2: In that um, in that race for a wild card, it, it's interesting. Course, the uh, you, you you said the, you know that Josh Allen they they don't have anyone anywhere else to go because it feels like that across the league. And I was reading some draft reports about where are the next star quarterbacks coming from, given how much Russell Wilson is on at Denver and 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 guys being recycled like at the Raiders and things. I mean, is there a dearth and playmakers and quarterbacks uh, coming through the system? Nope.
4: Well, there, there usually is, anyway, um, and you've had quite a few injuries uh, as well, starting with Aaron Rodgers, um, two game, two plays into the season, basically, uh, with with the Jets. But lack of depth is a problem, and a number of teams have had significant second injuries to players, which is why the Giants are playing Tommy DeVito, who has no business starting at, in the NFL at this stage. Uh, at quarterback, and there are guys I think that were out on the street who they could pick up who would be a better option for them um, than Devito. Even the Rams picked up um, Carson Wentz, who you know nobody was interested in for the for for the first eight weeks of the season after the last couple of years of his performances. So yeah, there's a talent um, gap. Um, strangely enough, Caleb Williams, who everybody thought would be the number one pick in the next draft, the quarterback at Southern California. Um, has not had such a great season, but there are a couple of other first-round possibilities at quarter. You see this year that teams um, Washington with uh, Sam Howell, uh, Atlanta with Desmond Ritter were taking guys who they had drafted in the fourth or fifth round of the, of the draft um, two years ago, given a shot at the end of the season, and they played well enough to sort of leave them as the starters this season. But they're not... Nobody can step right in. Very few first-round picks can step right in and play. And, the, of course, the way the draft works is these guys tend to go to the worst teams. So that makes C.J. Stroud of Houston. He was the second player taken in the in the draft behind another quarterback, Bryce Young, at Carolina. But Stroud has just had, you know, two fantastic games in a row and brought his team to two wins um, on, on uh, come-from-behind drives, and Houston is sitting there with a 5-4 and four record with a rookie quarterback and a rookie head coach, and nobody expected that. Mike,
3: talking about um, quarterbacks and, and rookie coaches, what about Bill um, Belichick and, and the pressure that he's under at the moment? Like, is he, does he hold on to his um, position this year? And if he doesn't, where does he land? Is, he, is it a, a simple task of him finding another spot to, to go straight into?
4: Yeah, it's a that's a really interesting question because the more I watch the Patriots, I mean, I watched the I was lucky because they were they were playing in Germany, so we got the whole game in the afternoon. Yes, on Sunday, I watched the whole game very carefully and went through it again. They're they're so awful on so many levels, um, and it's not all coaching. It's also it's also Bill's uh, misfiring as a general manager and. And also the way he's running the team. And part of the the Patriot, the so-called Patriot way, which is the Belichick way, is based on his success. He can be a grumpy old Fart if he wants to be, because he's, you know, the best coach arguably of all time, but certainly he was the best coach for twenty years. And that's starting to wear off, I think. And and he's had his defense still plays pretty well, but his special teams is a mess. Joe Judge is coaching them. Um, who was, you know, went from New England to the Giants, was terrible. Last year was supposedly their co-offensive coordinator and was terrible. Now he's back to Spencer Themes and he's terrible. Um, they cut a defensive back, Jack Jones, uh, for basically disciplinary attitude reasons. And I think the problem is with Belichick's legacy, I doubt if Bob Kraft is going to want to fire him. Um Belichick was fired from the Cleveland job um, by Art Modell, who also fired Paul Brown. So he has the distinction of firing two of the four or five greatest coaches of all time. But at the end of the year, I think that they'll have to sit down carefully. And Bill was going to have to examine himself to see what he wants to do. Um, You know, he's in pursuit of the all-time wins record, but at the rate he's going, it would take him till he's about 80. and I think I think the Patriots would want to at least redo the front office for him and maybe redo his assistant coaching um, in some ways and put some pressure on him to do that. But I, I just get the sense that he's not going to go unless it comes down to a confrontation. Um, and I don't think the Crafts want to have a confrontation with Belichick. If he goes... Where would he go? Could he go to Washington? He's 71 years old. Not many teams bring in old coaches. And I read an interesting interview with Marv Levy, the former Buffalo Bill coach, who retired at 71. His owner begged him to stay, but his owner was 82 at the time. So, you know, like Kraft, uh, these guys seemed like kids to them. And he, he said he didn't mind it. But then two years later, he wanted to come back and start coaching again, and nobody was going to hire a 74-year-old. Head coach, and I think the same probably applies to Bill, and he's younger than I am. I mean, I was I was two years ahead, no, three years ahead of him in college.
2: Well, Mike, does this then forever put to bed the uh, the the discussion about was uh, did Belichick make Brady look good, or did Brady make Belichick look good?
4: Um, no, I don't think so. And even though Brady left the Patriots and went to the to Tampa, um. That first year at Tampa, he was playing with a stacked team that went out and got him what he wanted and basically more or less handed him control of Bruce Arians' offense. The next year was not as successful. and the third year, Brady was really keeping that team afloat. Great as quarterbacks are and great as great quarterbacks are, they don't win six Super Bowls by themselves. And, you know, and if you look at the way games get won and lost, you you could point to half a dozen plays in those nine Super Bowls the Patriots went to, and they could have had nine Super Bowl wins, or they could have had only one or two. It's that, you know, it's that fine a margin. So to do it consistently, I think it needs. they were the perfect combination because Brady was smart, as smart as Bill, and could both understand what Belichick was doing and how to play complementary football to that? The Patriots not only were—I don't know—four different teams during the Brady era: a run-first team, a throw-deep team with Randy Moss, a dink-and-dunk team with with um, with uh, Wes Welker and, and Edelman, and and maybe even you could say a a kind of play-action play when Gronk was was hot. And they not only did that, but they would switch game plans week to week. They would be a passing team one week and a running team the next week. They would play completely different defenses, you know, and that was the genius of Belichick. And Brady's genius was to be able to do whatever those game plans required and read defenses and make the right decisions and stuff. I don't think, you know, I don't think Belichick, Win six Super Bowls without Brady. I don't think Brady wins six Super Bowls without Belichick.
3: Yep, they were uh, they went together like bread and butter. Those two. Um, just I'm just going to tack left here a little bit, uh, Mike. Just on the on the introduction of these sensors and the mouth guards uh, and in the shoulder the shoulder pads that they're using at the moment, and saying that the game in the future maybe may look different with all the data that they're collecting. Is there much talk about that? Um, up there, ar- around the technology that's being used, and, and what they will eventually do with the data that's collected. It's
4: it's a really interesting question because they they tend to do all, in, in terms of player protection. They've always tended to do mostly what's been re- absolutely required and demanded. And if if this data can show them things things that we don't already know, it it will, you know, and I'm talking probably about direct impact between or direct connection between impact and brain damage or whatever, or maybe even field um, contact and, and damage. Then you might, you might see that, but I suspect it's not going to be able to make those kind of connections. You know, we still don't know whether it's the big hit that causes causes long-term brain damage, or what's more likely, it's the accumulation of smaller hits, um, your brain bouncing around so so often. So we've seen new technology with the helmets. Um, we've seen them really try to take helmet first hits out of the game as much as possible, but I'm still not sure that that's going to be as, have as much impact from the uh, onboard technology as it were, as all that stupid stuff you see from next-gen stats that tells you that someone has run 11,000 yards um, so far this season, you know, just around the stadium and, and or that someone's reached a top speed of 23 miles an hour uh, on a 40-yard run, you know, and which basically, I, I don't know, lot, lots of people got to ooh and ah about that, but it really doesn't mean much in terms of football.
2: Uh, we're back to the football. Uh, just before we let you go, Mike, do you think um... – the NFL's the most competitive it's been in a long time. I'm just looking at how tight nobody's run away with with their conference, and and just this latest latest round, 14 games, ten of them decided by four points or less.
4: Yes, I think that's right, and and remember, it's structured to be that way, so that you know if you win your division. A couple of the games that aren't within your own division will be played against the winners of other divisions. And so therefore, the better the better you finish, the harder your schedule is the next year. And that so that tends to help teams gravitate toward the middle. But this year, you know, you've seen Kansas City, the the preseason favorites. Philadelphia is eight and one, and they've done it because they're really strong on both sides of the ball. But they haven't been as outstanding as they were last year, as dominant as they were last year. Kansas City has Patrick Mahomes right now. They're they're lacking they're lacking targets for him. There's no Tyreek Hill there. Uh, there's not even a Juju Smith Schuster. He was he was taken away to another planet and replaced by some voodoo <laughs> judo, Juju um, who's playing for the Patriots right now and can't catch a ball. Um, so so those were the two best teams, you know, the two top teams last year. San Francisco had a rough time. Um, Buffalo's had a very rough time. Injuries on defense as well as Josh Allen on offense. Um, Miami and Dallas are both contenders, but they both have trouble beating good teams. I think Miami's going to get better at the rest of the season because their defense seems to be coming around under Vic Fangio, new coordinator. Plus, they play four of their last five games at home in Miami, which is always a problem for all the other teams that don't play in the hot, humid area of Miami. But basically, you're absolutely right. There's no standout team. The, a, the NFC, after, Miami, after Philadelphia, San Francisco, and, and arguably Detroit and Dallas— doesn't have any good team, you know. I mean, Seattle's six and three, Minnesota's six and four, but you wouldn't. You're not afraid of those teams, and um, they have records like that because they're playing bad teams. They, there's only seven teams with winning records in the conference. Um, there's only eight in the AFC, and you know, Houston is right now. If the season were to end today, Houston would be in the playoffs. Pittsburgh is six and three, even though they've been out outgained. In every single game they played this season, they've gained fewer yards than the other team. And um, Baltimore, Cincinnati, both looked like they were really hot, and they both lost this week. So it's been that kind of that kind of a season. Tough season betting.
2: I'll tell you that I, tell you, I, I know, don't you worry Mike I know, hey mate listen I, we'll, let you take, we'll let you get that dog out of the house and take him for a walk, really appreciate your time mate. enjoy the rest of the season and we'll catch up again soon
4: eh? okay thanks Ricardo
2: Cheers, Mike Carlson there talking NFL with us need a new mobile plan? Visit Kogan Mobile you're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast thanks to Chemist Warehouse keeping you healthy this spring on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast and Who Am I? $100 uh, golf voucher. Thanks to Adidas uh, to give away. Get away with Adidas Golf. Visit adidas.co.nz. Get away with golf. T's and C's apply. We had three clues for you this morning for Who Am I? They went something like this. I've represented New Zealand at international level but was born in Africa. That was clue number one. Clue number two, I'm a cricketer, and on test debut in 2016, I scored a half-century and took a five-wicket haul. And clue number three is I represented Zimbabwe at the 2004 Under-19 Cricket World Cup. Who am I? Well, welcome, uh, well done, I should say, to Nikki J, who texted three through to us Colin de DeGronholm yes the big house he uh, is the correct answer and a $100 Adidas golf voucher winging its way to you Nikki someone will be in touch to get your details and we'll make sure we get that out to you keep your texts rolling through as well. Uh, plenty uh, of talk. Uh, we've been talking, obviously, a lot of rugby and league this morning because uh, the NRL have said that they are green-lighting uh, an extension to salary caps for for teams that uh, manage to poach players from other codes and bring them across, so that got us talking about that and how it could really hamstring rugby Particularly in this part of the world, uh, it, it's another uh, front they have to fight on uh, outside of Japan and France and England, etc. As well, so plenty of text on that. Plenty of text on the cricket as well, um, and uh, there's uh, you know some people saying, well, you know, it's with this semi-final coming up tonight, uh, the the Black Caps are in a way in the in the in the in the best position because they're in the semi-final, but nobody is expecting them to win. All the pressure is on India, Kempia. You've been in that situation before as a pro where you go into a game, everybody expects you to win, and then that pressure, instead of becoming support, actually becomes pressure and becomes a weight on the shoulders?
3: Well, yeah, but yeah, but it's really funny. We played uh, in 1993. Castleford had a, had a pretty good top side, but we weren't, pick to, to beat Wigan that year and we played him in three finals um, we played him in the Regal Trophy Final the Challenge, uh, challenge Cup, major semifinals these were, um, and finals major was Regal Trophy Challenge Cup and the Super League Grand Final and in the, we weren't expected to beat him because they had the, the great team back then you know with, with Inga um, Toiga Marlow and Jason Robinson um, Andy Farrell uh, just to name it just to name a few Sean Edwards on that front of on that side as well and we weren't expected to get anywhere near them. We gave them an absolute tonkin in the in the Regal final. Um then they beat us in the challenge final and just t- pipped us in the in the Super League final. And the difference with it is that when we went to the first one which was the Regal, we weren't expected to get anywhere near them and we were really relaxed. When we went to the challenge, we were expected to win, we got beat. And in the grand final, we were both expected to win, and they pipped us on the line. So if you're not expected to win, you are more relaxed. And, and when you're more relaxed, you tend to go out there and, and do things, and things come together a lot easier. So I'm, I'm picking, you know, wisely I said to, to, to Ross Taylor, I mean, we've got nothing to lose. They'll they go out there if they're batting. I'm, you know, I'm thinking that um, Ratchel Ravindra has a big game tonight. I'm expecting another 100 from him.
2: All right, well, I hope you're right, mate. I hope you're right. Let's find out what that's going to pay with Paul Mawadi shortly. Right now, though, here is Araha with news for Kubota. Kubota's in-stock catalogue is out now. 27 away from 9 o'clock. Check out the Grand Tour Hub at tab.co.nz, bet safely, R18. A man who uh, survived Christchurch yesterday, Paul Mawadi, joins us. G'day, Paulie, how you doing?
6: Yeah, good Ricardo. Yes, it was a lovely day down there at Addington Raceway, um, and there were certainly a lot of people having a lot
2: of fun. Yeah, we saw some of them. Saw some of them on the news. Uh, they didn't look. They got some new jewellery as well. They didn't look like they ended the night as well as they started it though.
6: <laughs> no, no, oh, oh yeah. You've got to keep your fluids up. To be very quiet. A very hot, dry day.
1: Paulie.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <poorly, poorly. laughs> Poorly, poorly, poorly. Mate, uh, how did you go yesterday? Because uh, we had a few tipped out on the show yesterday that came in, uh, including in race one. I think Cody Banner was paying 41s and 1450. That got tipped out to us yesterday morning by a bloke called Mark on the text machine and ran in first in, in the first race.
6: Yeah, perhaps Louie and the team should have been listening to him because uh, they could have done with a wee bit of that yesterday. I think uh, they had a tough, tough day uh, with the e c n z Punter's Club, but I know they'll be moving on to today. Um, but, yeah, there were a, uh, a couple of uh, huge roughies that got up, as, as you say, uh, in the first race uh, there at Addington. That uh, $14 shot, uh, Cody Banner, um, driven by Matthew Williamson, uh, got up, and I think there was a $70 shot in uh, race uh, four King down Atom um, Got home at around $75. So, yeah, a couple of big, big winners. Uh, well, big priced winners uh, on the day, uh, New Zealand Trotting Cup day.
3: Have you seen anything um, as more impressive than Millwood Nike, Paulie, when you were down there? That was, mate, that was a super win.
6: Oh, look. <laughs> Hurden has got a very, very good filly here. Um, Looked absolutely stunning. Um, And just uh, that win just did it with a leg in the air. It it was super impressive. Um, So, uh, yes, I'll be keeping an eye on uh, Millwood Nike. I I see there's some auspicious owners uh, there, so... Um your old coach would be very very happy with how the day went uh yesterday in that um uh, certainly in that uh Phillies race where Millwood nike um just put them to bed well that that seventy that seventy five dollar shot
3: kingdom kingdom adam he actually tipped out tempo warriors for a place paid five dollars thirty frankie so he had a big day. I texted him yesterday afternoon after Millwood Nike won and uh I dare say Frankie crawled out of. Addington Showgrounds in the afternoon. The, the, the races, they, they continue today, Paulie, down there. Where's all the money going to Ricketon today?
6: Uh, I thought we'd have a look at the um, the big group three, the Copeland's uh, Mile. It's business time. Um, the Walker-Burgesson uh, training partnership. Michael McNabb jumps on board. it has got a picket fence form line. Currently even money with us. $2. Uh, has been the best backed in the Copeland's mile. But after that, there's been some interesting action. Second best backed in terms of turnover uh, in the mile, uh, Marley stone mm. uh, trained by Darren and Briar Weatherly, uh, ridden by Sam Weatherly, uh, currently $18. That's been the second best backed after its business time uh, in the Copeland's mile. Uh, and then the second favorite, this is dramatic. who's uh, also coming off a win. Um, That is uh, the third best back. So, yeah, there's been a bit of money uh, for Marley Stone at $18. Uh, This is dramatic, has also seen some action. And then the stable mate, he's a doozy uh, at $15, is right up there in terms of support. So, yeah, it's business time, best back. But Marley Stone, this is dramatic, and he's a doozy. Also seen a wee bit of cash flow their way.
2: Paulie, uh, what about the cricket, mate? Uh, we've got a big game tonight, of course. Uh, I see the market has shifted slightly. I think New Zealand were three twenty yesterday. When we talked to B pops, so they're out to $3.40. India is in from about a dollar thirty-four to a dollar thirty.
6: Yeah, that's because of all the money we've taken on the Indians. I can tell you we've taken more individual bets on the black caps, and the biggest bet so far on the black caps uh, in that head to head market has been a thousand dollars at three dollars and twenty cents. But outside of that, it's pretty much been one-way traffic for the last 24 hours. There's been a $10,000 bet on India at $1.33, a $9,000 bet on India at $1.35, a $3,000 bet at the same price, uh, and the, they, just keep, they just keep coming. The money keeps coming for the Indians. So there's a hell of a lot of support for India. Look, I, this is a tricky game in terms of, I, I think, the toss will be vital because I have no doubt in my mind that whoever does win the toss will bat first because this is um, absolutely rained runs uh, in Mumbai. Uh, I think they've had four World Cup matches there uh, during this tournament, and three of those matches have been won by the team that batted first. The only team that didn't win batting first was Afghanistan, who put up a total of 291 and uh, got chased down by a Glenn Maxwell special, who scored over 200 runs himself. So that was the only anomaly. Um, The other three games have all been won by the team batting first. So whoever wins the toss, I'd certainly look at uh, backing them later on tonight. Um, I've had a look at the power plays. I can tell you, there's one that has been picked up by punters. Devin Conway to score 100 or more runs, Kane Williamson to score 50 or more runs, and Daryl Mitchell to score 30 or more runs, paying $51. That's the biggest one. That's taken uh, quite a bit of support from punters. Uh, there's also an $8... Uh, where is it? There it is. $8 uh, power play. Any New Zealand player to score a century and the Black Caps to win, $8. That's the best back power play so far in the tonight's match between India and the Black Caps.
2: Nice work, Paulie. Go well, mate. Enjoy that game tonight. You can check out all the odds, promos, and boosted odds on the Grand Tour Hub at tab.co.nz. Bet safely. R18. When we come back, Josh Brody joins us to talk Ironman. It is a quarter to nine here on SENZ, Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Unfortunately, Josh isn't picking up at the moment. Hopefully, we can con, uh, connect with him uh, later on in the week. But, of course, there is a big game of cricket on tonight. And uh, Robbie in the producer's chair is uh, a big cricketer. If you didn't hear about it, actually took six uh, for 17 off 11 overs uh, just the other day. So uh, as our go-to cricketing expert on the show, Robbie, what are you expecting tonight in Mumbai?
5: Uh, I'm ex- I'm expecting a a nice a nice toss win for the mm-hmm. Black Caps. Um, yep. We're going to put on a lot of runs, and um, yeah, we're going to win. Why not?
2: Why not? We're going to win. We ha- I win. mean
5: that that's the thing. It's like you know we we have the ability to beat them. Um, so like yeah, we've we've got the talent. And I mean, they've got plenty of talent too. But yeah, toss goes our way. A couple of small little little things go our way. You know, our players definitely have the talent to beat them. So yeah, I say we do
2: it. Yeah. Okay. What
3: you what you, you go to tonight, Rob? Like you know, you you mad cricket man? Do you go out the back and you know set the set the wickets up and bowl a few seamers down there, take out a few fence posts, and you know drop back a few crafties? What do you do before before a big match?
5: Um. Well. With uh, with this tomorrow morning, it might might be a lot of sleeping. To be honest, um, but I'll, I'll I'll see how we go. I'll definitely watch the start of the match and then uh, and then make a call. I think.
2: Mm, yeah, that's the thing. Uh, it, might, it might just be an all nighter, Rob. What do you think? You, yeah, they might
5: get... they might be the go to. If we yeah, keep well, doing well, then yeah, why not?
2: Well, we've got night and day on board, and they do a hell of a coffee. Uh, so maybe we can get you a coffee sponsor for the night. What do you think? Sounds good. All right, let's let's <laughs> let's do that. Uh, reminder that we do have uh, full coverage of the game tonight from 9 o'clock. And uh, I just actually got sent through, uh, the boss man sent me through uh, the call team. And I'll tell you what, you talk about somebody who needs a hell of a coffee and a, uh, uh, a bit of sponsorship from night and day, uh, and that is one uh, Daniel McCarty because uh, he is uh, not only doing Smithy's show from 9 or midday, then he is doubling down and being a part of the commentary team tonight as well. It's him, the Hairy Jav, uh, Tom Bartlett, Pete McLashan, uh as well as Baharat uh, Sunderson. So uh, it's a great call cool team and uh, he is doing double time.
3: Nice. And, and if you... If you haven't got your uh, your TV switched on and you and you want to listen to a good commentary, then Dan McCarty he is fantastic. No matter what what uh, what sport he's commentating, a good team they put together on SENZ where you can get both the semi-finals and the final live here on the station. It's um, I, I I agree with Rob. I think you know it's a little bit of an, um, anticipation that everyone's feeling at the moment because the, we know it's coming up. We know that we've got enough to do it. We've played well in semis before and beaten India before. They they will be packing themselves. At, you know they've drawn us in this game, mate. the the the, the thing with semi-finals they're they're fifty and I think that's it. We're we're as good a chance of beating them as they are of beating us.
2: No, and that's and that's the thing. We do have the uh, uh, we do have history behind us. Beat them in the 2019 fi- uh, semi-final. Beat them, and the World Test Final as well. Remember, it's Southampton, so we do have a bit of that on our side. The man who will be calling that match, Daniel McCarty is in the hot seat for Smithy uh, from 9 o'clock. We'll catch up with him next and get his thoughts on the cricket. Yeah, we're coming up six away from nine o'clock on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Daniel McCarty, not too far away from taking the hot seat and, of course, uh, the big game on tonight between India and the Black Caps uh, head-to-head. India $1.30, the Black Caps $3.40. Some boosted markets for your Trent Bolt, two wickets and New Zealand to win, boosted from four twenty to 5 bucks. Conway. And Williamson each to score a fifty is paying uh, eight dollars, boosted from sevens. And Ravindra fifty plus runs, Santner three plus wickets, boosted from nine bucks to twelve bucks. So some good options there. Plenty of other power plays for you as well. You can get uh, Devon Conway, Kane Williamson, a hundred runs combined at two seventy uh, is not a bad look either. If one does fail and the other one goes on, then you're covered. So uh, there's a few options there for you, Kempy. Uh, anything you like today, mate? Because I, I know there's a few. Uh, a, a few nags running around as well
3: uh, yeah look I'll, I'll be following them um, I just think it's a good week down there, uh, the Copeland's Mile is a good race which Paulie was talking about, uh, you know you wouldn't go wrong following Lisa Ladder she tends to go down with her horses they pay good money um, and she's won a few big races this year and the big ones, the Copeland um, being another one where she's got who's, he's a doozy in there Um yeah you know, it's business time with Michael McNabb for Walker Burgesson you know like that picket fence he's talking about hasn't lost the race in its last four it's very short at two dollars but uh you know that's what Lisa does. she goes down there and she tends to turn them over the big uh, the big favorites but there's good' some good racing down there Rick um just have a look at the card look i could I couldn't tip you one out today I think. After yesterday, that showed you—you know—the the, uh, the punters' club—they had a really good sad day. Then yesterday, they gave it all back. Um, they'll go again at uh, Rickard in today to try and make some some ground back up, um, and hopefully, it's a better day for for guys that are picking um, close to to horses that they think will win. Because uh, because as you saw yesterday, right from from race one a forty-dollar shot, and then race four a seventy-five-dollar shot, uh, no one had those um, when it cut when it, when they came in and. And and whoever did would have got paid plenty. So, um, good luck today punting on uh, down on the on the cup week down in Ricketon, and uh, just don't forget re, uh, gamble responsibly. R18. Yeah,
2: all right, there you go. Uh, we've got Daniel McCarty with us now, a man who uh, possibly the hardest working man at this radio station. Because Daniel, I hear not only are you covering Smithy today from nine till midday, then you're effectively Uh, doubling down and doing some of his job tonight as well, uh, in a way, uh, with with leading the commentary team uh, for the semi-final. uh, Good morning to you.
7: And to you, Rick Doc. hope you're doing well, and you, Kempe, uh, in your palatial estate. What a view, what a vista out the back of Kempe. That huge chest, big shoulders, and a great view out the back, mate. Let's hope it's uh, a great view at about 4 o'clock tomorrow morning. Hopefully I can see for a start. (laughs) <laughs> Good exactly,
2: man. Daniel. What are you expecting uh, tonight, mate? And is it all down to the toss? That's what we've been hearing.
7: Yeah, l- lots of uh, discussion around New Zealand. Need to bat first, go big. Hopefully it nibbles around under lights. and That makes a lot of sense to me. But, uh, you know, um, but when, it, when it comes down to a toss of a coin and a 50-50 chance of that landing, doesn't fill you full of confidence. Let's be frank. This will be one of the biggest upsets, um, I would think, at a Cricket World Cup semi-final stage. Now, generally, sides who make it this far are really good. So you can't discount it happening. But that's how good India are playing at home, looking to become, I think, just the third side ever to go through a World Cup unbeaten, matching those glorious Australian sides of, of uh, a generation or so ago. They're so well balanced. Um, but this New Zealand side has a lot of experience um, playing in these uh, type of games. And uh, we, too, have some pretty informed cricketers as well. If there's a key match-up I, I would look at, it would be... Uh, twofold. Um, Can New Zealand take wickets in the power place, particularly Trent Bolt? We have a great history of winning games of cricket if Trent Bolt can do that exactly. And if New Zealand sort of in those middle overs, 11 through 40 can continue their great work with the bat, uh, where they have been absolutely sensational, uh, limiting wickets lost and scoring at a great rate but they're up against such a good bowling unit. um, Yeah, they're right up against it but uh, it wouldn't shock me if we could shock uh, the Indian cricket world
2: what about uh, what about today, mate, on the show? I, no doubt you're going to be covering it. What have you got coming up?
7: Uh, We've got John Norman to give us the objective uh, neutrals perspective of the semi-final. He, of course, is the uh, talk TalkSport uh, lead uh, cricket uh, man, so I can't wait to catch up with him. He, of course, has strong ties to New Zealand as well, so it might not be completely impartial, uh, Rick Dogg. Uh, we'll open with a bulletin. Uh, Jamie Ward's going to join us. Uh, we will... Uh, open the lines throughout the opening hour as well, and we'll also catch up with Dave the Dalithko, uh, um, who is uh, part of our stable at SEN talking about uh, the MBL as well, the Aussie MBL. So we've got lots to get through over the next three hours, fellas. Yeah, go well, Daniel. Have a great show,
2: Kempe. I'll see you again tomorrow morning. Here's Araha with uh, the latest in news for Kubota. Kubota's in stock catalog range is out now.